I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Early Work. The lockdown episodes keep coming. This week it's with comedian, actor, musician, podcaster Izzy Sooty. I'm a huge fan of hers and even more so after this. One of the most creative childhoods I've ever heard of. Felt we could have mined that anecdote gold for like two weeks, but she does have a family and I don't have the disc space. Stories of her trying to escape a small village to break Hollywood or writing plays for her parents about magical hat shops, which she charged entry for, for the plays, not for the hat shops. Um, various bands she was in with Bigger Boys, which she put her name in the title of. Uh, and then, of course, the work, the early work, songs. She was Kate Nash and Lily Allen before they even picked up a microphone. She had lyrics like Bob Dylan. She used all sorts of accents. And then she had deep political and surreal poetry. It really is a smorgasbord of youthful angst and unrequited everything. Listeners are warned that the word crap is used in some of her early work, so if you're prudish, then do switch off now, as I could tell that she really meant it. Enjoy! Joining me today on another quarantine episode of Early Work is Izzy Sooty. Welcome, Izzy. Thank you. For those of you that don't know, listeners, Izzy Sooty is probably best known for the gig we did together recently, which was, I believe, Izzy's first gig in four years, five years? Yeah, it was my first gig since 2016. And I was so nervous that literally all the way there, I was like, what am I doing? 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 And then... It was actually quite a good gig to do as the first one back. It was nice, Great gig wasn't it? to do back. A lovely Sunday night gig in Greenwich at Up the Creek. It was a wonderful gig. Uh, I mean, it must, it's going to feel like it's been four years for comedians coming back after this. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, absolutely. And in a way, like it was really weird for me because I think I did like five gigs back, including a new material night and then lockdown happened. So it's like 
I feel really Back weird horse, about yeah. I was like, yeah, I was gigging again. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Book me for all your virtual gigs. <laughs> you being you coming, you being like, oh, this is so tough for all of us uh, comedians. God, out God there. I mean, just, just being a comedian I've, is. Just... If you've got the bug, you know, you just you, we're addicts. You know, we're addicts to the laughs. So it's just it feels so strange. To be honest, I think I pathetically that night, like I hadn't done. I'd been on tour, so I hadn't done a gig in a comedy club for maybe a month. And I was complaining like, oh, God, I'm so nervous. I don't know what I'm doing. It's a completely different ball game. But I'd obviously, I'd gigged the night before. Yeah. Just in but a different it, context. That's, and I think you were like, Reese, I haven't gigged for four years. Are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, oh, yeah. But that's that the funny thing, thing about, I think when you're doing it the whole time, even going to a slightly different type of room, you notice it massively. But when you haven't gigged for ages, it's like, oh, there's going to be an audience then. I'm going to do my, it's it's just, Yeah. We were coming from different sides of it. Yeah, completely different. I was like, imagine what it's what, um, like if you haven't said your set for three years. And I was doing new <laughs> material as well. I was like, why am I doing new? I did one bit of new material because it felt so weird to go back and do stuff from three years ago that doesn't necessarily sort of, of chime with me in the same way and not have any new bits in there. Oh, it would have been mad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you'd have just... It would have been a like a reprise for like for charity. Yeah, yeah. It would have felt like you know, <laughs> and and she's bringing back her famous set. Yeah, she's here for one more night. Yes, it's it, the Palladium. It's basically <laughs> it how have, yeah. people feel when they're. This sounds like I'm comparing myself, but I'm going to go with this. Um, when like Bruce Springsteen is asked to do Born in the USA, and he's like, "I don't want to do it anymore." That was that was like twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. What I am yeah. saying about is birth. that my Welsh song is is um as good as born in the usa in many ways it's born in the usa it's sort of when um ricky gervais is asked to do the dance yes you were essentially it's your, it's your david brent it's, dance it's as well isn't david it brent that's dance. the vibe yeah uh now izzy if i had to guess what you were like at school and i do because it's the first format point of the show um now i found this hard to do go for it i, I really want to know okay. i really want to know what you think i was like so it's yeah so basically i can imagine you being really bookish and clever at school but i happen to know that you are fun so i can also imagine you smoking as a teenager so basically what i've guessed is quite specific i've said i think the teachers loved your work and attitude you were the model student but you also weren't overly shy, so teachers weren't worried about you. Then, at a certain age, and I don't know exactly when, but you suddenly started having parents' evenings at which your parents frequently heard the phrase, it's such a shame. (laughs) And I also predict that you were in a band that performed not at school, um, but locally, and therefore that changed your image among your classmates that you perhaps weren't close with. And I think that you had a very short-lived leather jacket phase. Is any of that correct? Oh, my God. That is almost 100% correct. Seriously. <laughs> oh, yes. I was in three <laughs> bands rather than one, and one of them was at school. But Great. I like, I what like was the how band specific called at that school? was that we didn't perform at school. Like, we're not going to perform at school. We're gonna, is that true? Um, was, was I right? Well, so, the first, so that was we did one gig at school in the prog rock band, but that was only because we were like, okay, I guess we'll do one at school because they really need a prog rock band at the, at the summer fate. It wasn't like we were <laughs> desperate to do it at school. It was like, okay, yeah, this is part of our tour. Um, <laughs> the first band yeah. I was in was um, called Izzy Sutty and the Muppets, and that was when I was probably like 14 13 or 14 I'd say and um that was one gig at the village hall up the road and I was so drunk that I I basically stole a bottle of 
what I seem to remember to be champagne, but could have been anything. Because you know, when you're really young, you don't know what anything is really. Yeah. Do you? you just call it everything champagne? Everything with bubbles in it. Champagne. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Look at this black champagne. It's Coca Cola. <laughs> um, I actually did drink loads and loads of like real booze though, and then I went and did um, the gig, and I can't remember anything about it except that I looked down at one point and I didn't have any fingers on the guitar, so I was just strumming open strings so it must have sounded <laughs> awful um but they were all quite angsty songs um like let bygones be bygones and a lot of things about like nothing is real and like how can you trust authority and yes um, i can't even trust my friends and it, how can i like you if i don't like myself like that kind of vibe wow um, this deep yeah i gotta say maybe maybe one of the reasons that you had trust issues with your friends is because your friends objected to being called the muppets <laughs> yeah yeah they, that we didn't get off to a good start they were like <laughs> they were, are you fucking kidding me they, they didn't know the name of the band until they turned up for the gig and they saw the backdrop said izzy sooty and the muppets they're like cheers we're, we're the like, only oh, ones who are gonna we play called- our instruments tonight you're just playing fucking open strings <laughs> <laughs> yeah thought we were called Izzy Sutty and the greatest friends. Um, how did people? How did they feel about your name being? So in the it? other about pe- like you, you being the only named. One? I know what you mean. Like for your first band, that's pretty arrogant, isn't it? To call it like only really as a as a fourteen year old. Yeah. I, I think it's um it shows a real confidence. I mean, as a fourteen year old, I was so embarrassed of everything that having my name in the band. Also, I mean, my name doesn't really lend itself to the start of a band. It's a bit soft. Izzy Sooty's a more original name. I suppose so. It's it makes more, more sense. It's but... got more kind of plosives in it, hasn't it? If that's the right word, like S and T's. Reese James yeah. is like Reese James. Yeah, it would be like Reese James and his his merry men tell tales. Yeah, it's of like, like a folk. Kids I could do like a, yeah, a folk thing. Yeah, for yeah. folk kids music. What yeah. a great genre. Oh my god, <laughs> folk music for kids would do really well. This could be a side career during lockdown if you, you know. There we go. Got... I mean, I'm going to have to learn to play any instrument. Yeah, that's true. Although based on evidence, I could just strum the guitar openly. They wouldn't notice. Kids don't care. Do. They just want it to look like you're playing the guitar. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually didn't make up the name Izzy Sutty in the Muppets, and I don't think I would have done because I, yeah. I wasn't. Although I always knew that I wanted to be, I always thought I wanted to be an actress actually. But then I, I always wrote songs and I always wrote sort of sketches and things like that. So I suppose inevitably I was going to write some aspect of my work. But I thought I wanted to be an actress at that point. And I was so always so sure of it, um, and and a singer perhaps and a songwriter that I that I possibly would have put my own, own name in it, but I don't think so, knowing my personality then. I was I was really shy. You I was I was bookish and I was shy. I was sort of quite tormented as well, I suppose, in a way. Um but I didn't make up that name. That name was made up by a member of the band and all the band were boys who were like in another band who'd sort of come across to play for Izzy Sutty and the Muppets for one night. I had like... Oh my yeah. God, you had session musicians <laughs> at 14. At my, <laughs> at my first gig. <laughs> wow. Were, were there other bands... Were, um, were there other bands like successful in a context of the local 14-year-old scene? Absolutely. So they were a year or two years above me or in one case, the brother of one was like six years older than us so he was like 20 and he was my god that's 
so cool for you <laughs> and so lame for him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I've got a pretty big gig tonight. I'm um I'm playing backing guitar for a 14-year-old whose name is in the band title <laughs> and it's her first gig. Yeah, it's at the Village Hall. You know the Village Hall? No, no. Um not the Palladium, <laughs> the Village Hall. Um <laughs> Um yeah, he was my music teacher, so I used to go up every week and have like drum and guitar lessons with him and then his brother he was in the band with his brother and stuff so where matlock where i grew up was a very very creative area and it's quite hippie-ish so it wasn't unusual to be in a band it was really really unusual not to be actually right yeah. um but so there was so many bands with so many d- titles absolutely. that it actually made sense to call yourself something like izzy sooty and the muppets just to, to differentiate I had to set myself apart from the band crowd yeah we were all jostling for gigs at the Village Hall. Um, we did some covers. Um, I used to really love The Doors and we did The Doors and they played, they were very good musicians actually and they played like that at the beginning of Light My Fire. But I, um, when I used to do that on my own, which I did quite a lot, I just used to sing it because I couldn't play it. So I often used to just... Um, and you're probably too young to remember everything I do. I do it for you by Brian Adams. Um, but I know that. I'll song. do. Okay. So the guitar solo in that, which really wouldn't be that hard to play, that went. Da, 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 da. Um, I used to sing that. I just used to, I used to think, <laughs> well, why can't I sing it? I'm still, I'm still communicating it. I'm just not, not playing it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was my first gig, right. and then I, and then I moved on. That was our only ever gig, as he sutty in the Muppets. That just disbanded after that because they were session musicians, as you say. It wasn't yeah, a band. They did. They didn't have the loyalty. They did. They hadn't been on the journey with you to go right. We're a band. We're together. We're practicing every week in the garage. Now we've got to get on stage in the village hall. You just said, "I want to do this thing. Can you get involved, my music teacher?" Yeah. And I'll give you one and a half and his fags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that half a fag, that really pays off yeah. by the end of it. You're really going, oh, I could do with another half, actually. Yeah. Um, so what about the other stuff? Is any of the other stuff I said true? So the stuff about uh, at a certain age, your parents started being told that it's such a shame at parents' evening. I definitely Did remember. Did you start to rebel? Uh, yes, and I definitely remember, like, it's a phase being banded about. And my mum read a book about how to communicate with your teenager and it set because I suddenly became really detached and kind of I used to just go out and smoke and drink really and because I went to drama school when I was 18 but I always thought that stage school would be even more because you'd be like 13 14 they'd be doing your GCSEs there and I like begged my mum to let me go to stage school she was just like no you've got to you know I want you to do a broad range of GCSEs and A-levels but I just ended up like not concentrating that much on the things that weren't drama or English or art really so I was writing Um, I remember doing sketches and I remember doing plays so the first sort of things that I remember writing I suppose I started writing songs at a really young age at 10 or 11 about boys and um, they were they were often they were quite innocent um at the beginning and then they beca- my songs songwriting has always been um sort of something that's been part of me i suppose from then really like and at one point i was churning out two or three terrible songs a week like um you know around the time of like getting your heart broken and kind of um yeah kind of teenage angst 
but alongside that I was writing plays and sketches and things and I remember making like when my cousins came we'd all do a play for our parents or like these friends of the family used to come and stay and then we'd make scenery and I was always bossy I, I was always sort of telling my little sister I remember I remember really clearly I haven't thought about this since she had to colour in must have been like a monster or a turtle or something and I'd drawn a small picture of it um to illustrate how I wanted it to be but it was part of scenery it was really big so I told my sister to do it and I just wrote scales on the body of it and I did a few scales to show what I wanted the scales to be like and she copied exactly my writing saying scales like and I went mad I was like obviously I don't want it to say scales it's got to represent a turtle I remember lots of things like that like behind the scenes (laughs) oh Oh my god! I I can sort of see it. I now you say it, I can sort of see it. But so wait, you what, what were you designing this specific thing? So we used to have this turtle. thing called Mister. Now we I we used to have this play that we used to do that was a kind of recurring, a runner I suppose with different themes every time called Mrs Morello's Hat Shop. It was a kind of version of Mister Ben. So. There was a character called Mr. Morello, Mrs. Morello, I think it was me, and different customers used to come into the hat shop and then whichever hat they put on, because we had a dressing up box um, in my mum and dad's room, which had loads of stuff in it and lots of hats. So, yeah, someone would come in and put try a hat on, then be transported into another world and often have some kind of problem to solve before they were allowed back into... And is this one of the plays you were doing j- for fun? Or is this something you were writing and then actually putting on? Um, well, writing and putting it on, but putting it on in the living room. And then like, we used to charge our parents and that was a really big... Oh, but yeah, yeah. But this is just a family. This is just... Oh, yeah. Just like we didn't put family. it on like in the in the park or something. So, <laughs> good God. So much thought. The plays that I would do for my family were just like, it would just be like, mum, can I get down from the table? Yes. Look at this. <laughs> And then I would just quickly <laughs> randomly do a thing or like at, at most it would be like, oh, some family friends have come around and we don't know them that well because we're just like we're hanging out with the kids because our parents are mates. And then we'd be like, oh, should we do some skits? And then we'd come up with let's all do everyone pick one of our parents and you are that one. And we'll write a play where we're like pretending to be our that parents. Great. And we'll, we never did. We'll slag our parents yeah. off. And what was weird is that like <laughs> one of the most brutal things I can remember is that my I was my dad in it and everyone else's was really on the nose, like properly good impression with something great. And then it came to doing my dad and we were all just like, I don't know. I mean, what could we possibly do to represent him? So what we did was, and this doesn't represent him at all, is I just sat there the whole time in the corner reading the paper. And then just at the end of the play where everyone else had done like this three minute thing each like this monologue where they were their parents saying certain things. I just looked up and just went, right, just off for a shit. And then I just got up and walked off. And I, I think it was mainly because I wanted to swear. But my dad was just like, what? What are you? Wh- wh- when have I ever done that? What are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. We just made it up. It was completely random. And then about an hour later, so we were like, ha, ha, we're so funny. We did this skit about our parents. And then we disappeared. An hour later, our parents were like, come downstairs. And we thought we were going to get in trouble. Turned out they had written one where they were us. Oh, that they is performed one, brilliant. They performed one as us for revenge. Yeah. That is great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But we didn't charge them for it, which you did, right? Is that yeah. what you're about to say? We did charge them for it. They had no choice but to pay the money. Um, 
How much? I think it was like two pounds each, which is quite a lot then. So it was probably yeah, 19... adjusted for inflation. That's yeah, that's a cinema ticket. I know, I know. I've just wow. remembered that Confident. when these people used to come and stay, we used to do a similar thing. These family friends used to come and there was two boys. It's really funny at that age, isn't it? If it's like the opposite sex, you're like, Ugh! like these boys were called <laughs> Sam and Giles and they were like the same age as me and my sister, but we were like, they're boys. Um, and we did this show called the Sutty and Vernon's radio show. And we've still got that on cassette tape. And I think that was probably the same reason, like we didn't know them that well and we didn't know what to do. And yeah. it's actually quite a cool thing. I, I wish I could have used that on dates in the past when they weren't going that well to just be like, should we make <laughs> up a play? <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good idea yeah that's i mean i suppose that's role play isn't it but that comes a little bit further down a bit, the line a bit further down the line yeah you don't want them to get the wrong idea you have to make it really clear we're doing, like, we're doing a play and we'll perform it to everyone in this bar this is nothing other than that we're just gonna do a play yeah this yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're lucky everyone in this bar will get so offended they'll do a play about us yeah, for revenge exactly i think i was quite like I definitely went through a few years between 14 and 16, I think, or maybe 13 and 16, where my output changed. Like I almost overnight from doing that kind of innocent Mrs. Morello's hat shop type play to just writing poetry and songs that was like so angry and kind of like, yeah, I suppose angry is the word really like disconnected from the world and kind of like, why does the world have to be like this kind of thing? Um, and it's quite scary how quickly it happened. Like it wasn't a gradual thing. It was. Um... Yeah, I think I, I, th- I think I was the same. So it went from yeah skits about parents to pretty immediately. There is no such thing as happiness. <laughs> how do I even know I, that you are my parents? I don't even know if you're real human beings. Am I real? Are you real? <laughs> yeah. Are these walls real? Yeah. Well, actually, one thing I never did. I never. I don't think I ever wrote any anti-parent stuff. Except for sketches like parodying them. I never, my poetry was all. Yeah, kind all of internalized um, or like about, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. was all about like uh, people don't fancy me or um, other than that, it was like, God, capitalism sucks. Yeah. Oh, what a huge era capitalism has been. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, so much anti, I was such an anti capitalist. I, I clearly did not understand what that meant. Yeah. Um, especially now as a keen capitalist, it feels <laughs> well, bizarre. It's <laughs> strange to look back. <laughs> I mean, let's cut to an advert here, I reckon. Just immediately, for the producer, pop an advert in there. The perfect place for it. So can I hear? Can I hear a piece of the work? Let's get into the work. Sure. Let's hear a bit. So, so um, what are we talking? We're talking poems, songs. So I've got a mixture and of poems and songs. I've got. So this is one of the first songs I ever wrote. So this was about two boys. We were in the third year, and they were in the sixth form. I say third year. You probably don't know what that means. That is year nine, and they were in okay. the sixth form, which is year what three, four, five, twelve. Six. Yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12, 12, 13. Yeah. And they were called Tim and Dan. And this was from the point... I used to write a lot of songs from the point of view of my friends as well as, um, like, from my point of view. So this was, like, a a Mm. song for both of them from me and Joe. Um, So I used to sing... I fancied Dan and she fancied Tim. Did you ever have a thing where you and your mate had to fancy the same two, like, two of two people who were mates so that if you went out with them then like you could all hang around the, um, yes the 
my first ever girlfriend uh i hope she isn't listening because i did go out with her almost entirely because her best friend was going out with my best friend yeah so we we would always as we would always be double dating around their house so i did have that i know exactly what you're talking about yes so this song might chime with you um because the idea was that they'd hear this song and like go out with us um that that didn't happen (laughs) they did hear it they certainly did hear it Um, they certainly didn't go out with us because also they were like 17 and we were 13 so it would have been wrong it would have been hideous they were they were being (laughs) doing the right thing um so i used to sing i joe started actually i didn't start it that was how generous i was i wrote this song and she had the first line so joe used to sing tim you remind me of a shooting star and then i would sing dan i I always wonder where you are Then together and you know we do anything for you but you you don't love us too right, and that was a common thing in the songs about boys it was like I'll get there first and say that you don't love me um yeah, and then like wow you, it's like the- yeah it's like in stand-up how you have to say, I know what you're thinking. Yes, completely. It's like a kind of, it It makes you look weak, but you think it makes you look strong. Not when you say, I know yeah. what you're thinking, <laughs> like that, that doesn't make you look weak. But I mean, in, in songs when you're 13, um, you think that, yeah, that you're kind of saying, look, I'm going to get there first and say that. But actually it makes them think, yeah, I don't love you. Why the fuck are you yeah, singing me this song? <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> and then the next verse, I won't sing it, but the because I can't remember it, but I remember the first line of the next verse, which was, um, I think I started that one. It was, um, Dan, you remind me of a warm, safe place where as a child I'd hide, which is a line from Guns N' Roses. Um, so that was what we often used to do, like Nick lyrics from, um, yeah. I think that's from Sweet Child of Mine. Listeners will know, I'm sure. Um but yeah, and I think that was also an attempt to make ourselves look cool so that they'd be like, oh my God, that's from Guns N' Roses. I do love her after all. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I was like, trying to impress someone older than you is the most embarrassing. I mean, like you always do the most embarrassing thing because you're just guessing. I know. Well, what do, what do cool kids like? I was having, I'll just say that. I was that. having a really interesting conversation the other day with, because um, I might write a, a book for young adults or a book for like, um, nine to 12 year olds right and this woman who works for publisher was saying that when people are nine to 12 they will still read books that have been written for nine to 12 year olds like maybe harry potter and stuff like that or I mean, there are a great a, a great range of those books and then once they get older than 12 and especially up to sort of 14 it gets much trickier because they don't want to read books that they think are written for 13 and 14 year olds they want to read books that they think have been written for adults and it's so true isn't it like at 13 or 14 you're not going to pick up a book that's like aimed at young adults you're like i read catch 22 when i was 14 so and Mm. yeah it's so i think it's a similar thing like yeah because yeah it's when it's when kids start saying i'm not doing that because that's baby exactly yeah you go no that's for kids uh excuse me i'm a fully grown adult Although, to be fair, I mean, I was a bit of a maniac. I think I read, um, when I was 13, I read all the shopaholic books. Did you? Yeah, I remember being on holiday and my mum finished a shopaholic book and I didn't have anything to read. So I said, oh, I'll read that. And then I you were them. addicted. So I read all of them. <laughs> you were a shopaholic. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a weird kid. Yeah. I, was a, I loved the shopaholic series, all right? I just, it really struck a chord with me. She was, she loved That's shopping. That's brilliant. We all, I don't know if you remember... I was anti-capitalist at this time. Yeah, you and your anti-capitalist <laughs> and, and I'm reading phase. a book about a shopaholic. Yeah. 
It makes no sense. Um, what I liked in that song is that your line is, Dan, I always wonder where you are. And given the context of the song, I'm not surprised you don't know where he is because it sounds like he's constantly avoiding you and having to run away. <laughs> Yeah. And in order to see him, we had to go to the sixth form block and hang around as like... Oh my God. How must that have looked to like... Because bear in mind, they're probably trying to get off with girls of in the sixth form, right? Of course they will have been. Yeah. So they'd have been like, oh, for fuck's I know. sake. Can you just... I don't... And like, <laughs> I have this memory of being in the main bit of the school near the hall and seeing the men and that being a really big deal that they'd come down to so I think we usually had to go to the sixth form bit which is right our school was really long it wasn't it was like almost I seem to remember it was almost half a mile long I'm sure that can't have been right because that is so long (laughs) but basically it was like this innovative design that meant it was really really long and thin with a few floors but not a high school at all it was like you had to walk really far to get this. It took it was took like the whole break to get there, and then you had to like run back basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, they did hear this. You said they did hear. They did this hear song. this. So we used to record the songs onto cassette tape and leave them, and we got it to them somehow. I think we just handed it to them. We did really fancy them, and I we used to do this with other guys as well. We used to give them the cassette tape to the guys that we fancied, and it, like it became this dual thing, which was that. We wanted them to fancy us, but then also I wanted them to recognise my songwriting talent. Um, I wanted like one of their dads to work in the record industry and say, oh my God, who is this kid? All their mums, all their mums. But this was like the early 90s and um, a lot of the women, it's very it's very different now. Um, but yeah, be like, we got to get this kid a recording contract. So I wanted that as much as I wanted them to go out with me. Um I'm really big fan of how they're, they're still American in this. So you're still you're you're still desperate to make yeah. it in America. You still want an American recording contract at this age. Yeah, whereas actually it would be like, ooh, what's this? Let's get it down to local working men's club. <laughs> I've got another song from the innocent phase. Um, yes, please. Which is, um, this is, I think this is probably, the, so the first song I ever wrote was um, I've had an eventful day, um, and that was when. Like, but like I can't remember all of it. But it was like um, I wake mm. up. It had to be done in a Cockney accent. And actually, I sometimes okay, do so songs in accents even now. So I was ahead of. Uh, and this, it's a, it's like you on a guitar in a Cockney accent. And this predates like Kate Nash or Lily yeah. Allen. Or any of this whole era Absolutely. of that being the most popular music. Absolutely. Um, so ahead of I your know. time. So this is probably 1988, maybe, or 89. Um, and yeah, I remember playing this to my parents actually and recording it. So it went, I wake up in the morning and lie in bed. I go for a little walk with the thoughts inside my head. And still when people ask me, what have you done today? I say, oh, oh, I've had an eventful day. Oh, oh, I've had an eventful day. And then the rest of it were, the verses didn't do much else, but they were stuff like, um, I go for a little walk. I know what people are going to say. 
How are you? Or what did you do? Or have you had an eventful day? When they look at me, I close my eyes and say, Oh, oh, I've had an eventful day. And there was a middle, middle eight of some sort, which would have been probably me minor, because that was the only minor chord that I knew at the time. But that's so a, yeah, that was probably the first. Sorry, can I just say, Izzy, what you have written is the perfect quarantine anthem. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, actually. That, it, I mean, it couldn't be more perfect. It's just, I wake up, I put on some clothes and I maybe go for a walk. And then people say, what have you been doing? Oh, I've had an event for the day. Yeah. I mean, that is literally what everyone's lives is Oh my at the God, moment. you're doing so all right. All we do is go for one walk, get up, kind of get up, barely put on clothes. Yeah. How have you done this? I mean, how this is so ahead it's of like your time. You. How have you predicted this? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, that, yeah, you could re-release that now. It would be in a viral sensation. Oh my God, I totally should. I can't believe how appropriate Do you think I should do it in the Cockney a... accent if I release it now? I'm trying to think. Are those still... I, there was definitely a time when it was the thing to do. And also the, that little brief period of music in the noughties where maybe a bit later than that actually where everyone was speaking like you would in a conversation in song lyrics so just like and referencing things like the arctic monkeys talking about um oh i got a malibu and coke yes and then i got in a taxi and i've got chips and all that sort of stuff and it was just really like oh my god that's how i speak to my friends like yeah i know exactly how are they doing this and it was really exciting. And it reminds me of that, even though it was long before that. Yeah. Era, and even though that wasn't my real accent, years. that doesn't matter. It wasn't your... It's just an no, accent. No, no, no. It, why did you choose to do it I in a Cockney accent? What was the thinking? It was a kind of character, I think. is like, oh, well, I've had an eventful day. Like, it seemed... Is it like an old man character? I did. I know. I remember just doing it in my voice rather than like, I've had an eventful day. But I think it was like... Maybe I was trying to make it funnier without like, even realising at that point that I wanted to end up doing comedy. I don't know. I know what it is. I think I know what it is. I think you were still hoping that, you know, some record producer yeah. somewhere is overhearing it and you were also trying to show range yes. because you wanted to be a Hollywood yes. star. So you were trying to show, you know, I can do a number of accents, actually. And I'm also a musician. Do you know what? I, th- I, I think, think you're right. That. I think you're right. <laughs> Just based on the rest of this conversation, yeah. that would be my prediction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I can't believe how appropriate it is for the times that we're in. But fuck, oh, you've done it. Thank you. You've bloody done it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, um, where okay, are we at now? So are now we exiting the... Got... It's funny looking back through all the stuff, isn't it? I know the thing that I want. I've got two poems that I could do now and I could do one for the finale and I've got one more song if you want but only the first verse and the chorus the first poem really illustrates what you're talking about where you're like really anti-capitalism and you don't quite know what it means I think I probably was about 14 or 15 when I wrote this so it's called Forbidden Identity his cynical eyes soak up the scene as the comedians tell the crap jokes that people want and expect them to, as the singers sing songs that are labelled crap before heard, as generation gaps slowly but surely close, as people get HIV, as schoolgirls do each other's makeup and dare each other to go, and dare each other to go up to the bar or wish they still did as old men sit in pubs and complain about young people, as left-wingers retain power, 
I don't know when I wrote this, but I don't, oh, like, I don't know. I don't think I even knew what that meant. Oh, my God. His cynical supercilious, which I definitely didn't know what that meant, green eyes soak, soak, soak like blotting paper covered with ink. He can soak no more. He is a saturated solution. But the world still carries on, 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 climbing the steps to forbidden identity. Fuck me. Wow. That is deep. I mean, a lot of it I don't understand. Me but maybe that's because of my, that's my naive brain. I wasn't as aware of you as you. I mean, there's a lot of the use of word, the word crap. Yeah. So it's, an enormous. That's the most I've heard the word crap used in 10 years. <laughs> I think that's I just, just I mean, like, oh my God, I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> I'm going to say crap in this poem. You, it seems like you are quite anti-comedian, but you defend musicians. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what comedians I would have seen at that stage. Like nothing live because I was like perhaps thirteen. So the things on telly at that time were. I'm trying to. Think, we, we used to really like Bottom, but I liked it. I thought it was great. Like I don't remember seeing so maybe Jasper Carrot was say, on telly and things like that, and Lee Evans maybe. I think might be a bit comedians. Early. So you say comedians tell their crap jokes that the audience want them that, to. That people want and expect them to. I do not know so, who that was based on. I think that was like an idea then, of... Yeah. And then after that, it's music, songs are dismissed as crap yeah, before people have even listened yeah, to them. Yeah, before heard. Yeah. So it's like people want comics to feed them crap, but that mm. the poor old singers don't get a chance to get our music heard because their songs are labelled <laughs> crap before heard. What does this mean? I don't know. What does, as schoolgirls, do each other's makeup and dare each other to go up to the bar or wish they still did? Why would schoolgirls wish they still did that? They'd still be doing that. I wish they still went up to the bar. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah. so I didn't... I, I heard that as... That's when it turns to being like an old person yeah, maybe, who doesn't maybe they're not schoolgirls anymore. anymore. But it is still schoolgirls in the line, so that is yeah, confusing. that's confusing. It um, should be as women. Oh God, I mean, I don't know. Think, believe left, I'm rewriting this. Left now. wingers still in as power. As left wingers uh, retain power. That says two things about that. Which is one, it really dates it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that now feels like it's in another realm. Uh, and secondly. It's not what you'd necessarily expect from a 13-year-old. I no. mean, they say you get more right-wingers, you get older. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I've got more left-wingers, I've got older. Right, I'm actually now Googling who was in power in 1989 because I don't think that a left-winger was in power in 1989. I'm sure that was when... So 1989, United Kingdom local elections. It was the Tories. So, I, so do I think that Thatcher... <laughs> was left wing i mean i do not know no, what's no, no, going no. on there i think you were so right wing <laughs> that to you thatcher was left <laughs> <laughs> oh these bloody left wingers yeah. like margaret thatcher come on make some real change <laughs> that's how much angst you had as a kid <laughs> yeah. oh my god forbidden identity yeah. oh it's exactly the sort of phrase that at 13 seems it's like the most grandiose oh yeah but if you think forbidden identity was was like vague, but um, so this was about a boy who I think I'd been out with, but not for very long. 
I am the megalomaniac's cat. I will purr and give unconditional love, in inverted commas, when the necessity arises. You are the megalomaniac's ear. Close, close, but not close enough. You're seven-eighths of the way there, but what do you care? No one asked you to do it in the first place. You shouldn't accept anything. You shouldn't accept anything. But you carried on, didn't you? You want to change, but can't be asked to find out how. You're an introvert, but not totally so. Like a cake which has been taken a bite out of. Don't be so bitter, weak, not there, watery. That's what you should be hearing, but why aren't you? Then this is the longest sentence. That I've ever heard. Because by attempted so because by attempting so half-heartedly to become those things, to accomplish this mission, you lose the only saving grace you could make contact with in this game, yourself. So you've made it, but in such a realistic way that it scares you, and it scares me too. Right, Izzy. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, mate? <laughs> what are you I'm what, about I mean, the what is going cat? on? <laughs> It's the megalomaniac, and you're uh, no, no. You are the megalomaniac's cat, and the person you're talking to is an. Yeah, the megalomaniac's ear. <laughs> I mean, and it scares me, and it scares you too. I it, when you first started it, and you were talking about the megalomaniac's cat. I'm the mania- megalomaniac's cat. It made me feel sick because it made me think of George Galloway oh, on Big yeah. Brother. Oh, saying would you like me to be yes. the cat and then i imagined him saying would you like me to be the megalomaniac's I cat totally and then you took that. it in a yeah. com- completely different direction and it was i mean what is it if i don't I-, I mean i feel like i need to get back in touch with him and see if he can provide any answers <laughs> oh my god all right so did you say you want to do so i've got one more the beginning of one, one more poem song left. and then i've got a poem to end on so um the, the song is called psychedelia street and I just wanted to do this because it's an example of how my songwriting changed and became more complicated. Mm-hmm. And this was around the time that um, I was sort of first sort of going out with boys and like kind of going out and staying out and telling my parents where I was going. But really, yeah, telling them what I was doing, but actually doing things that I shouldn't really have been doing. Mm-hmm. Right, so here we go. So um, it's called Psychedelia Street and it's inspired by the doors, Kel Surprise. Um, so it goes like this. <laughs> we're going up, we're going down. We're going round and round and round and round. Psychedelia, psychedelia. We're going down to Psychedelia Street. When I was about 25, I was going uptown and I was hitching a ride. I came face to face with a dusty old road. It was my whole future being told. And I said to myself, what can I do with all my problems? So I carried on through. Psychedelia, psychedelia, we're going down. Psychedelia Street. I met my mates, Carrie and Shaz. We went for a walk in a haunted house. I came face to her, and next thing I knew, to my surprise, there were a million ghosts in front of my eyes. And I said to myself, and that it's what can I do with all my problems? So I carried her through. Um, and then, yeah, it's back to the chorus. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, I Thanks. love it. It's great. It's, it's a genuinely 
what a genuinely lovely song. What I like about oh that my, is how I do it in American accent and talk about being 25 when I was like 14 when I wrote it. It's quite precocious for 14, I'd say. I mean, yeah, it is interesting that you have an accent, but but that's, I mean, I'm no longer surprised yes. by that. At this point, I would have expected nothing less. Um, dust. I saw a dusty old road and I was like, what's this? Oh, it's my whole future being told. Yeah. What? What a lyric. Thank you. I mean, that's that, that, that would be held up. If, I mean, if that was written, you know, by Bob Dylan, people would still be talking about that. That, you know, people had posters of that. Quote. I agree. Why should I be like discriminated against just because I was a 14 year old girl? It was yeah. my whole future being told. It's a great line. A dusty old road is my whole future being told. And, and then just a verse later, you managed to rhyme Chaz with house. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, now it comes the time for me to score you. I have to rate your work on three categories. Okay. Those categories are originality, um, pure teen horniness, and uh, Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is how close is it to your work now? Does it show the potential of a future star? So, first of all, on originality, it's got to be pretty high because some of that is fucking mental. The Megalomaniac's Cat is one of the weirdest and most original things I've ever heard in my life. Um, It's very original to me for someone of your age to be complaining incorrectly about left-wingers being in power. (laughs) Um, I I just think it's mad to it's original for some year nines to write a song about sixth formers and then give it to them. Um, I've had an eventful day in a Cockney accent before that was popular. Yeah. I mean, a dusty old road. It's a Bob Dylan lyric. I've got a, it's a five out of five. There's no there's nothing holding you back from a five out of five for originality. Yes. It's a full full five out of five. Now pure teen horniness. I'd say pretty much off the fucking scale. <laughs> <laughs> the first one only the first one really i suppose yeah not the megalomaniac's the cat really no it's not it, it seems horny to me because i'm associating it with the hot, the george galloway thing which is the extremely sexually charged sure, moment from sure. tv history but that's perhaps unfair of me to do that so the t- the the one you wrote for tim and dan is giving is really carrying this category that's a very i wonder where you are you know i want to know all this stuff and you gave that to them. Psychedelia Street, Ghosts, My Future's a Dusty Road, not very horny. Forbidden Identity. No. It's not very horny either, is it? You're trying to get it's served a at a bar, poem. but there's nothing really. Yeah. It's a political poem. And I've had an eventful day, you don't do anything. So I'll go for <laughs> I'll go for anything. a th- <laughs> I'll go for a two. I'll go for a two yeah. out of five for Fort Purity Order. And that all comes from the Tim and Dan song. Uh, and the Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. You know what? There's some good... There's, I, I think Psychedelia Street in particular does show some good songwriting. And there's some good lyrics in there. I don't know if I see any of what you do now in the Megalomaniac's Cat. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think if I did see... If I thought what you did now was similar to that, I don't know that I'd have felt comfortable inviting you onto this podcast. <laughs> But but the rest of it, you don't you don't do do you do anything political? No, never, never. Just because I'm so right wing, I don't want anyone to know the truth. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You could get on. You could get on Question Time now if you do that. You just there's there's a seat available now. BBC (laughs) looking for balance. Um, I think there's definitely elements of it. I've had an eventful day. Is is to me is like a comedy song. 
I've had an eventful yes. day. You've got this accent you were maybe inadvertently doing to be funny. It's a sort of reveal, like, isn't it? They're asking what I've done and yeah. yeah. A sort of reveal. And you've done nothing, yeah. but you're saying, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, it's not full reveal, but it, it definitely worked. I'll go three. Okay. I'll go three out of five for that. So it's a ten out of fifteen, which is a very respectable score. Um, and sort of sometimes there's always some of these categories you don't want to score well, high on. Yes, exactly. You don't want to have peaked when you were ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. You maybe want to have peaked at pure. Yeah, you want to peak at that. Be, you don't want to be. <laughs> It, no one wants to be looking at your work now going, well, I mean, it's pretty team horny, yeah. I've got to say. Now it comes to the time where I must read you a piece of my Amazing. work. This is a poem. Um, I chose this because I knew your stuff was going to be angsty at times. So I chose this. This is a romantically angsty poem that I wrote when I was 16. It's called There Is. <clears throat> There's a motive behind this explosive design. There's a post-it which I've tried to notice inside. There's a couple, a bustle, an us and a muddle. There's a stream of consciousness leading to my heart's puddle. There's a future. There's a middle, a man in whose hand you still stand. There's a plan that's gone grand and a purity damned. There's a spice, there's a walk, there's a three-sided shape. There's betrayal, mistake, without retract or escape. There's a problem. There's a letter, a poem, a disc and a drawing. There's a night and a chance and a yawn and a morning. There's an excuse, there's no use, just abuse and upset. There's obtuse reality which proves your regret. There's an end. Oh my God. How old were you when you wrote that? <laughs> 16. So I can't work out if that's to like a girl who's wronged you or if it's to like a politician or a teacher that you, you're definitely not happy no, um, it is. Um, I know. I know exactly what all of this is about. Yes, it's a it, just like everything I wrote when I was this age. Pretty much, it is about a girl who had wronged yeah, me. I, I think that was why I picked that <laughs> first. Like, what I love is the lists. Like, it's there's a bit where did you ever watch the kids' show Nightmare? Um, yeah, yeah, with the K for anyone who I was when I say it, I I love that show so much. I just picture the K, but yeah, it's um a kind of Dungeons and Dragons style show, isn't it? Where they often like they're guided through these rooms and they go up to tables and there are loads of random objects on it. A bit of it reminded me of that where you were like listing. There's a box. There's a bone. There's a cheese. There's a yeah. Like, which one will you pick? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. There's a night. There's a chance. There's a yawn. There's a morning. There's a poem, a disc, and yeah, a drawing. Yeah, that's the a bit. Letter. A disc, yeah. like what? There's, yeah, there's a letter. Well, the the disc would have been I made her a CD. Yeah. There's a poem, a letter. I wrote those, and I would have given them to her. There's a disc. Yep. Yeah, there's a drawing. Fucking I, I would God, love I, I to never see that want drawing. to know what the drawing was. <laughs> I never want to know what the drawing was. Oh my God, I have no idea what it would be. I hope, I'm hoping that is referencing something that she gave me. Yes, hopefully. I pray. Because if not, then it was definitely a drawing that represented my thoughts on capitalism. <laughs> and that's a disaster. Um, but I need your scores for those categories. So the three so, categories, first of all, okay. Originality. So, originality, is the first I'm going to give it four because I think that that was really original. Um, you're only let down by, as you said, the kind of the things that are there to sound good, but that don't quite mean, have any meaning. Um, teen horniness. I think it's got to be five, hasn't it? Like, <laughs> yes, I mean, I, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. How can you not? That, that's the, yeah, that's the driving force. It would have been quicker, yeah. It would have been quicker to just write, please have yeah. sex with me. 
<laughs> Please. But instead, I wrote. Actually, instead, I wrote. There's a motive behind this explosive design, and it's like I think I know what the motive is, mate. <laughs> I think I know what the explosion is. <laughs> we, uh, you, if we make a good animated, um, like short film. You could do loads of really quick images to go alongside it. <laughs> or are you basically saying I should make a music video to yes, this excellent rap? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, five. And the last one, Mickey Mouse Club is the last so one. Which does, it is, have any, you know, does it the... have any kind of parallels with your current work? I have to say mm. zero. Zero parallels. Oh, thank yeah. God. Thank God. Yeah. Okay, few. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have come on this podcast and say, yeah, that suits you now. That could be exactly what you would do on stage right now. And I get very upset. So thank you so much. That's what I needed to hear. So that means I get nine out of 15, which means that it's nine plays to 10. So you win the podcast, Izzy. But obviously the message of the podcast is we're both losers. That's how the show works. Yeah. And that just leaves us with you to play us out with whatever your final okay, piece is. Okay, so this is another poem. Um, okay. So, energy. If trees were made of plastic, if grass from elastic, I could never stop liking you. If poison blocked the way, if clothes began to fray, I could never stop liking you. If beautiful people were a lie, if someone found the top of the sky, if centuries passed by, we were unable to cry. If hyenas could laugh no more, if everybody was poor, if there was no law, I could never like you more. If books made no sense, if barriers were too dense, if people stopped talking our language, if they pledged to ban the sandwich if everyone was a thug if electricity was unplugged i could never like you more if the world stopped turning if the world started burning if you were crying if you were lying if you were dying if you were crying i could never ever love you wow is there not a is there not a more at the end of that? No. So it's like it's always I could never like you more. I could never stop liking you. And then at the end it's like I could never ever love you. Oh my god. I know god. that's such a zing, it's... isn't it? Oh, wow. What a that what a twist. Yeah. What a reveal. Talk about the reveal of uh I've had an eventful day. That's a That is reveal. a reveal actually. You learn how yeah. to do reveals. They're thinking, yeah, yeah, if electricity stopped working, yeah, if hyenas could laugh no more. You know, sometimes you put these in, you're like, yeah. that is literally just because I needed to think of a rhyme with um with poor. Oh, um sorry, I think you're forgetting um if they pledge to ban the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, let's let's give that its own moment, and shall who's we? These? Uh, who who are they? All the left wingers. <laughs> yeah they ban everything the bloody nanny state can't even have anything between bread anymore <laughs> absolute disgrace there it was Izzy Sooty energy forbidden identity psychedelia street the megalomaniac's cat I've had an eventful day what a back catalogue I'm genuinely pushing for a release of that song now for quarantine purposes I think it sums up life in lockdown it shows just how ahead of her time Izzy City was and always has been uh, off the back of that she does have a book out it's called The Actual One it came out a while ago um, it's great I've read it it's absolutely excellent if you're looking for something to read while you are WFH um, or if you've been effed by which I mean furloughed this is a family show 
Also, I've got a mailing list at the moment where I'm doing some sort of like emails just for fun. I'm not plugging anything. It's not for those purposes. There's nothing to plug, frankly. Just weekly funny emails if you want. Um, the first one will have gone out by the time this is out. Um, but if you want to sign up and you don't want to miss any more, then go to reesejames.co.uk and you can sign up in the box on the homepage. As ever, subscribe to Early Work. Make sure you give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell every single person that you're Zooming about the podcast. Change your Zoom background to the podcast logo and delete every other podcast that you listen to. I'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.